0: Well, welcome to the Speaking Your Lingo podcast, where my goal is to help this generation think well. My name is Shane Lingo, and this is the second episode, and that means I'm no longer a one-hit wonder. Well, I guess time will tell if it's actually a hit, but I can say that this second episode really does feel just as important or just as big as the first. With that said, I've really been looking forward to this episode, and I wanted to start out by mentioning a few names from the past, and I want you to think about what these different names have in common. Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and Jane Addams. What do these three people have in common? And in reality, there's probably multiple things, but the important one for today's conversation is that all three of these people were pacifists. You know, I'm often amazed when I read stories that highlight the passion and the dedication of men and women like these three for living out a non-resistant lifestyle, for people like this who choose peace over violence. And much of what they stood for I think is good, I think is honorable. I think most people would agree, including myself, is inspiring to say the least. And yet, as I think about it, at the same time, I'm equally inspired by figures such as George Washington, Alvin York, Frederick Douglass, who during their time were in support of the major war effort of their day. George Washington was the first and only sitting president to lead his troops into battle. Alvin York was one of the most decorated heroes of World War I. And so as we talk about these these different men and women, the question that I start to ask myself is, am I practicing cognitive dissonance or can I justify admiring these two distinctly different groups of people? And I say distinctly different in the sense that one group clearly advocated for non-resistance while the other advocated for some level of force or violence, and yet each group arguably had similar goals in mind. And so really what this tension illustrates is a small portion of what I've been wrestling with over the past few months. In simple terms, I've been challenged by the question of whether or not I should become a pacifist and not just whether or not I should be one or become one, but whether or not I have some sort of moral obligation to be one. And to be honest, my goal in this podcast series that we're starting today is to get you to wrestle with that same question. Should you become a pacifist? And so this is part one of a series that I'm calling, Should I Become a Pacifist? Leo Tolstoy versus C.S. Lewis. And we're going to talk about these two men and why they're important to the conversation in just a bit. But we need to first talk about this word pacifism. And just know that this episode being the first and an introduction to this series where we're going to be talking about pacifism, I'm going to be raising a lot of questions today. And we're not going to have the time to be able to answer or to be able to get to all of these questions in this one episode. And so just know that you're probably going to leave today with more questions than actually what you came in listening to this. So that's kind of the plan for, for what we're doing. But one big question that we have to answer today as we jump into this conversation is what is pacifism? And it's not often that this term pacifism comes up in like a casual conversation. And so what is it? And the the truth is, is that it's somewhat of a disputed term. For instance, some interpret it exclusively as just it's opposition to war. Others define it more broadly as opposition to every form of violence. This has even led some to go as far as choosing vegetarianism because of the harm that's done to animals. And so they choose not to eat meat or even choose veganism, right? And because of that violence, that can be be caused to animals. And so I wanna take a moment to help us clearly define what this word means so that we start on the same page. So pacifism originally came from the Latin word pacificus, which means peacemaking. The first use of the modern word pacifism can be traced back all the way to 1901. And yet the commitment to living out a peaceful existence goes back thousands and thousands of years. And so what I want to define is what I mean for this conversation. For our purposes, we will be defining pacifism as the belief that war and violence are always wrong and in conflict, one should always pursue peace. The belief that war and violence are always wrong and in conflict, one should always pursue peace. I will say for some, pacifism is more than this definition But I would also argue that pacifism is not less than this definition. In other words, some people like to emphasize a distinction between negative peace and positive peace, and that goes into how they would choose to define this. Negative peace being the absence of violence or war, and it's usually stated as a negative. So you can think of anti-violence or anti-war. So it's stated in a negative. But positive peace, on the other hand, is more of an active peace. It would involve pursuing harmonious relationships and pursuing wholeness, as well as striving for human flourishing. But we have to find common ground around this word. So we can't sit in the debate of what this word, this term pacifism actually means, which is again, the belief that war and violence are always wrong. And in conflict, one should always pursue peace. Now, let's think about this for a moment because we have to talk about why does this matter? Like, why should you care? Why should I care about this idea of pacifism? And although it's not often brought up in conversation, the reality is our answer to this question of pacifism will have a huge impact on our lives. And in some ways, it probably already has. So here's a few reasons why I think this question ultimately matters. First, our views on guns and gun control, wherever you land on that issue, it's going to be impacted. Our views on war and government are impacted. Our views on self-defense and what we believe about self-defense and if we're allowed to, if we should defend ourselves, is impacted. How we decide to raise our children will be impacted. How we choose to celebrate the heroes of the past is impacted. Even our religious convictions can be impacted. And so this really is an important question that we don't often think about. Some of the big questions that come up for me in this conversation are, what if someone needs to defend themselves? Like, what if someone is in trouble, they're in harm's way, are they allowed to act out in violence in order to stop that violence that's coming against them? I think back to my childhood and I think about this first fight that I ever got into when I was about second or third grade and it was outside in my my little neighborhood. We lived in this cul-de-sac and there was this new kid that lived down the road from me and I don't remember what the confrontation was over, but he came up to me and we start arguing and before I know it, we're, we're throwing punches at each other. And for some reason, I bent down, didn't know what I was doing this again, first fight I'd ever been into. And he starts throwing hammer fist at my back. And so I back away and I look him in the eye and he could see the anger in my eye and that I was ready to come after him. And so he goes off running down the road And I can't catch him. And so I have to go back inside. And at this point, I'm just fuming. And so I go to my dad and I I tell him and I say, Dad, this is what happened. This kid, he came and he he punched me and he ran away. And dad, I'm going to go beat him up. And I remember my dad, he looked at me and he said, listen, and he explained to me what his views were and how I should respond to violence in that moment. And so for his rule, for me, it was... I only want you to act out in violence. I only want you to fight if it's in self-defense. Like if it's anything other than self-defense, I don't want you to get involved in this. And so you need to let that situation go. It's done, leave it alone. But if you ever do need to protect yourself in self-defense, by all means, protect yourself in order to, you know, save yourself. Well, I go back outside, get ready to play. And this thought occurs to me, okay, I can respond in self-defense, but i can't just go at- attack him now. so what i decided to do was i stood across the road from where he was playing and i just start yelling all sorts of horrible things at him, all sorts of things that could ultimately, you know, frustrate him, get him angry, get him to come over to my side of the street in order to provoke him into punching me or something like that. well, my strategy actually ends up working. He crosses the street, he comes over and he starts, you know, pushing me and then he throws a punch at me. And so that was it. That was my opening. And so I just went off and I start punching and I start kicking and doing all of my, you know, second grade, third grade fighting skills that I had learned from the Power Rangers at that time. And anyways, at the end of the fight, I end up kicking him square right between the legs. And I know that's uh, poor form on my end, but again, let's come on second grade. So kick him square between the legs. He falls on the ground. He starts crying and he's bawling and I go home and I feel victorious. So I go inside and, and I go to talk to my dad and I said, Hey dad, listen, he came up to me and he, he tried to attack me again and I had to do what I had to do. I had to defend myself. Well, my dad was, of course, smarter than I was. And he looked at me and he started asking me those questions that dad asked their kids as they're trying to get more information about the situation. And he asked me if I did anything that might have provoked him from coming over and trying to get into this altercation the second time. And so I explained to him, yes, I did. I yelled at him. And long story short, I end up in trouble and I have to go take a nap on the couch. Well, a few minutes after this nap on the couch, I hear this knock on the door. My dad opens the door and it's this kid's mom. And he just starts, she just starts laying into my dad screaming in his face. And those who know my dad, he's a little bit rough around the edges. And uh, most people don't talk to my dad that way when they see him. And so what my dad does is he takes the door. He doesn't want to get into this altercation with this lady. And he slams it in her face. He turns around, he comes back to me and he looks at me and he says, Good job, son. You're not in trouble any longer. So that is one of my first experience, firsthand experiences with violence. And as I think about this, this brings up a lot of questions, right? What if the violence is between two consenting parties? You have two consenting adults, you could say, who choose to get into an altercation with one another. So I think about like boxing and UFC. And where do you draw the line when it comes to that? They, they've both agreed to this violence. Is that different because they've consented? I, I grew up as a wrestler, so I grew up wrestling. Is that different than punching someone in the face and what makes it different, right? So, so that's a question that comes up. What if one needs to defend another person from harm? So what if it's not me being harmed, but we take this down the road that no self-defense is not okay, but someone else is being harmed? Do I step out and step in and use some sort of force or violence in order to protect that person from harm? What if one is called to defend their country? So what if someone is called to go and to fight and to protect their country from harm being done to their country, right? So we can see how this gets a little bit bigger and how it affects, again, these other big things like how we view government, how we view the military. What if one is called to defend their country in an unjust war? What if they think the war is unjust? So you are called to serve, and yet you personally feel that this war is unjust, and maybe it really is an unjust war. What do you do with that tension? You have to ask the question, again, from the viewpoint of a pacifist, is there such a thing as a just war? And so lots of big questions that we have to answer in order to tackle this topic. Another question that I think is really important, and I want to sit here for a moment, is what or who is our authority on this matter? In other words, who gets to decide if it's right or wrong to use violence in any and all situation? Is it you? Like, do you personally get to decide? Do you get to decide for yourself? Is it society? Does society, whatever society, whatever culture, whatever they say goes, and we just kind of go along with that. Do they get to decide for us? Do I get to choose for you or do you get to choose for me, right? And from a Christian perspective, what does the Bible have to say? And ultimately, we all have an authority that we're going to look to in order to answer this question. Really, any important questions like these, who or what is my authority? Who or what gets to to give me the should and the should nots? when it comes to violence, and when it comes to this question of pacifism. And so we all have to answer that question. Now, I want to take a moment because a few of my listeners have asked me this same question. And so I wanted to take a moment to address it. And so if you got an opportunity to listen to the first episode of this podcast, which if you haven't done so, I encourage you to go back and to listen to that first episode because it really takes the time to explain what speaking your lingo is all about. And so the question that I've been asked after some listening to that first episode is, because I used to be a pastor, is this considered a Christian podcast? And my simple answer to that question is ultimately, no, I wouldn't call this a Christian podcast. Again, my goal is to focus on philosophy, history, theology, and culture. And yet at the same time, as you listen to these different episodes, you're going to hear my worldview, just like we all have a worldview that we come from. And I happen to hold a Christian worldview. And so as you hear me talk, you're going to see that worldview come out and you're going to get to hear that worldview. And thinking about the theme of what speaking your lingo is all about, that is a good thing wherever you land. Because if you are a Christian, then you get to hear someone who's speaking from a similar worldview to your own. And if you're not a Christian, you get to hear someone who's speaking from a different worldview, and that might challenge your worldview, or you might be just somewhere in the middle and you don't even know really where you land, right? And so no, ultimately, this is not considered a Christian podcast. And yet, when I think about this podcast, I'm going to be coming from this certain worldview, just like we all have a certain worldview. What I want to do now is I want to jump into today's quote of the day, And as I read it, I want you to see if you can guess who said it. It says this, The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. Take a moment. Think about it. Who said it? The answer is attributed to King Solomon of ancient Israel, found in the Old Testament, book of Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 17. Solomon, he was considered the wisest man to have ever lived. When I read the Bible, one of my favorite stories of King Solomon is found in the book of first Kings chapter three of the old Testament. And in this story, there's two prostitutes who come up to King Solomon and they come up to him so that they could hear, he could hear their case. And I know that setup sounds like a bad joke, but go back, read this story. It's very interesting. So these two ladies happened to be living in the same house and both ladies had recently given birth to their babies about three days apart from one another. But one of the ladies' babies had died in the middle of the night and now they were both pleading to Solomon that the baby that was still alive was their baby. In other words, each woman was claiming to be the mother of the living child. So Solomon, he comes up with this brilliant scheme and he suggests that the baby be cut in half with one half given to each woman. And so in this, the real mother strongly objects to the idea like any rational real mother would. Like, wait, hold on a minute. While the other mother is willing to do it, she says, okay, so sounds, sounds good to me. Sounds fair. And this makes it clear to Solomon who the real mother is and which, which was acting out of contempt. And so after taking a moment to examine these two claims, it becomes obvious who the baby's real mother was. Then he orders the baby to be given to Solomon the real mother. The first to plead his case seems right until another comes along and examines him. It's like when my kids are arguing and they're fighting and one comes up to plead their case to me and I haven't heard the other child's, you know, I haven't heard my other kids' whatever uh, case yet is, right? So you have one comes up and they start running up and they start, they're, they're, they're crying or they're yelling and they're upset at their their sister. And when that happens, You get one story and then I have my other child, she comes up to me and she tells me her story and then I can get kind of the full picture of what's actually going on in the situation. You know, in the previous episode, we talked about the importance of taking in ideas that are not our own and to take those ideas in, to to place them in our mind, to almost take them like we believe those ideas, shift them around, question them, argue with them, and then to set those ideas aside, ultimately if we don't think they lead us to what is true. And that's what I want to do as we think about this question of pacifism. As you're coming into listening to this podcast, you might have strong objections to pacifism. You might be a pacifist yourself. And so what we want to do is we want to listen to two sides of the argument in order to come to the best conclusion on what we think is right or ultimately what we think is true we want to listen to both sides of the issue. And so this is going to bring us to the theme of really this podcast series as we dive deeper into these questions we're going to look at two of the greatest writers of all time Leo Tolstoy and C.S. Lewis. And each of these men's books have sold hundreds of millions of copies like War and Peace, The The Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe, Mere Christianity. And as you're going to see throughout these series these men have a great deal of valuable insight on the topic of pacifism and non-resistance. And so this this podcast is what I'm calling a versus series in which I'm gonna be pitting the ideas and arguments of these two great minds from history against one another. And my goal is to bring out the best of their thoughts on the topic of pacifism and allow you as the listener to decide for yourself where you stand in light of their arguments. So you have Leo Tolstoy on one side, And then you have C.S. Lewis on the other side. So with that, I want to say, if you haven't taken the time to subscribe to Speaking Your Lingo, make sure you subscribe and follow us on our podcast. And you can also go to our website and subscribe to our blog. Now, one of the things I'm doing along with this podcast series is for each episode, I will have a blog posted that has a lot of the content that you hear me talking about on the podcast. And so it'll be a little bit more formal. It'll be in written form. And it'll also have my sources and all of those things for for where I'm getting the information. And so if you're more of a reader or you want to dive deeper into this conversation, you can actually go on my website, speakingyourlingo.com, and open up the blog that speaks to each conversation. And so I'm really looking forward to next week's episode where we get to jump in and look at Leo Tolstoy and the pacifist side of the argument. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.